In today's episode, the Legal 500's Head of Research for the GC Powerless, Joe Boswell, speaks with Salomon Vey, Senior Legal Director at Guatemala-based agricultural and industrial conglomerate CMI, about the company's inaugural issuance of a 700 million US dollar green bond, the largest green bond placement by a renewable energy company in Central America and the Caribbean to date. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the sixth episode of Corporate Conversations, where we will be speaking to Salomon Valle of CMI. In particular, we're going to be getting an inside look at the blockbuster 700 million US dollar green bond and 300 million dollar syndicated loan facility they completed earlier this year. Salomon Valle, welcome. Uh, first of all, let's start with you. Um, could you talk us briefly through your career path up to your role with CMI, please? Sure, and, and first of all, thank you, Joe, and, and thank you to the Legal 500 to give us this it's, space it's to, to tell you a little bit about what we did in, in, in this region of the world. So let me tell you a little bit about my career. Um, I've, I've been working in Latin America for 20 years. I was previously on the brewing sector, working first for the Bavaria Group out of Colombia. Then um, I was legal director for SAB Miller, when SAB Miller acquired the Bavaria Group in the Andean region. And then I was, I was legal director for Latin America for Anheuser-Busch InBev when they acquired SAB Miller. So 20 years of experience in, in the brewing sector and um, now two years into CMI and um, helping and, and contributing for the Central American conglomerate to, to also go global. Wonderful. Thank you very much. Um, so let's get into it. Um, first of all, can you give us a little bit of um, background on this uh, massive transaction you've completed um, and any uh, major uh, key points about how you uh, went about it? Yeah, thank you, Joe. And, and let me briefly tell you a little bit about CMI or Corporación Multinversiones. We, we are a hundred-year-old company um, founded in Guatemala and uh, Currently, we have over 45,000 employees in 14 countries. And um, we have two main lines of business. We have a very large um, food business with our own, uh, one of our iconic brands that anyone that has come to Central America knows. We own Pollo Campero. We're all across uh, Central America and in the US. So we have a very large uh, food business and restaurant business. And on the other hand, we have what we call our capital businesses, energy, real estate, and finance. And this, this particular um, transaction that we completed was only related to our energy business. We, we have a very large energy business in the region, over 800 megawatts. And in essence, what we did is um, we, we, we had a very steep growth strategy on our energy business. And in order to do that, we, we used, as is, as is often done, we use project finance. So every time we had a new project, we use project finance, but we ended up having a large amount of project finances and, and, and that wasn't giving us the, the flexibility that we required in order to continue growing. So that's that's why we, we decided to to put together this refinancing operation. And as you were saying, it was a green bond issuance of $700 million and 300, syndicated, 300 million syndicated loan for a $1 billion refinancing. Um, so that was in essence, the, the, in essence the, the transaction. And what are some of the things that make this transaction so important to, well, first your company and then second to the 
region as a whole because I understand it's a um, bit of a trailblazing transaction for Central America. So it is, it is though. So it, it was it was the first time that that CMI was going to international capital markets. And so, so imagine in a hundred year old company going for the first time to international market in, in such a successful way. So it, it's, it's definitely a turning point and for the company and, 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 and for the region, you, you don't see many Central American companies going to the international capital markets. And, and one of the maybe key takeaways of, of this transaction is, is sending a message to other companies and conglomerates in the region. Um, and, and, the, and the message is that it, it can be done. Yeah. And it's definitely a source of financing that, that other companies and groups in Central, Central America should be looking into. We hear um, the, a lot of green bonds being issued um, lately around the world. Um, what does it mean to issue a uh, green bond, so-called green bond? Um, and secondly, what is it that makes them so attractive to investors, in your opinion? Yeah, so, so green bond means that the, the specific bond that you're issuing complies with, with green bond principles. And, and those principles were issued by the International Capital Market Association. But bottom line, what it means is that the proceeds of your issuance are going to be used entirely for green projects. So clean energy in our case. And in our case, all of our 800 plus megawatts are clean sources of energy. We have hydro, we have solar, and we have wind. So not only that you're going to use the, the proceeds for your green projects, but also that on a timely basis, you're going to be reporting uh, as to your, your carbon footprint, and your other goals associated with sustainable development, et cetera, et cetera. So that's, that's in essence what a green bond means. And, and the advantages though, is that when, when you issue a green bond, instead of issuing just a regular bond of 144 reg S, is that the, the pool of investors that you're tapping is greater. So you have many investment funds, et cetera, um, that are very focused on ESG and that are looking to diversify their portfolio and to have in their portfolio uh, bonds like ours, so, so green bonds. And, and if you have and if you want those investors and to have also a more diverse geographical footprint, so having an issuance, a green bond issuance from Central America. Is, is definitely something that, that will appeal to a broader um, group of investors. So that was, in essence, the, the key value for us. And, and, and we were oversubscribed five times. So that, that just show you the result of, of choosing a green bond over a regular bond. Um, I remember we spoke about this before. Um, it was more successful than the new than you were expecting. It was oversubscribed five times. You, you, you said, right? Um, what do you think were the main reasons that it did even better than you thought it would in this particular case? Why did this particular green bond do, you know, perform so well? I think what, what is key when, when you're doing an issuance like this is um, when you go on your investor road trip, yeah? That actually 
during the pandemic, it, it, it becomes much easier because you can do much more. You don't have to move to one place to another in, in New York traffic. So it's just, you, you just do the, these teams and Zooms. But, but, but what, we, what we could understand from investors was that we were able to show that the management team that was handling or, or energy business was, was very experienced. We have, we have a team of, we, that has over 30 years experience on, on, on energy and over 30 years experience in the region. So the investors, I think they were pretty confident that, that we know how to, how to swim on these waters in Central America that are not always easy. So I think that was one key element. The other one, and just, just going to a more technical um, matter, since we have three technologies, we, we have hydro, wind, and solar, there is a natural hedging in our technologies. Because when you don't have wind, you have sun. When you don't have sun or wind, you have rain. So there, is a, there was a natural hedging on our, on our grid. And I think that was also a very powerful argument with investors. So I, I think those two were key and, and also timing. You know, when, when you're doing this issuance, you just got to get a little lucky and make sure that you, you get the timing right. So that also was on our side. Um, so obviously, this was an extremely um, complex deal, transaction, project, um, whatever. Um, but I understand you have an in-house team of uh, around eight people, right? Um, so you've managed to achieve a great deal with a relatively small in-house team. Um, what were some of the main uh, challenges you faced in, in getting it over the line? Um, I'm sure a lot of our audience would be interested to see how you managed to um, uh, hurdle some of the obstacles which they may face in, in their careers in the future. Um, yeah, have you got any uh, sort of um, bits and pieces of uh, information that um, might help others to achieve something uh, similarly impressive? Yeah, thank you, Joe. I think like with, with everything else in life, when, when you're not an expert in something, make sure you accompany yourself with those that are experts. So I think that was the, 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 the key success factor when it comes to a, being able to pass this through the line and is hired law firms that have done this before, hired law firms that are familiar with your region, that know your language, that, that know your cultural background, and, and that makes collaboration much easier. So, so I think in our case, I would have to thank the, the law firms that, that participated with us in this deal. And because even though we had a, a small team in the, in the energy legal team, uh, it was, it was a, a very good collaboration process with, with the, all the, the law firms involved. So um, I think that was key. And again, having, having, um, I mean, choose very well. I mean, it's eight lawyers in your in-house team, but each of those lawyers has been picked and has a lot of experience, and and it's 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 super committed to to what to the goal. So I think that's, I mean, in a nutshell, I think those were the key elements. What would you say was the most um, challenging aspect of getting it completed? Do you think? I think the the coordination of so many parties that were involved so so we have on the one hand the banks and on the other hand we have the syndicated loan on the other hand we have the 
the bond issuance, we, we need we needed to make sure that those two were 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 well synchronized and also talking to law firms, I think in, in, in 10 different geographies and coordinated law firms in, in 10 geographies. I think that was the main challenge. Um, over the course of your uh, legal career, um, what would you say are the, some of the main lessons that you've learned, um, firstly? And then secondly, um, how did these lessons that you've learned relate to this transaction in particular? Yeah. So I'll have to say, go back to, again to take the time when you're choosing your team. Yeah. Make sure you're, I mean, take the time. Don't, don't rush into hiring people. Hire the people that, that you know is, is, has the competencies in, in our team players. So I think that's number one. And, and second of all, delegate. Make sure that everyone in the team knows how 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 the piece that they're doing in the whole project. Where 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 is that part contributing to the to the final goal of the project? Um, and in this particular transaction, I think make sure your team is aware of the significance of the project being successful. I think when, when, when you have a team of Latin American, Central American lawyers, when, when you understand that this is not only something you're doing for your company, but that it's also gonna be a win for a region that is not often used to winning, yeah? Then, then you, you, you get a team with the proper motivation to, to, to push this forward. I want that providing meaning, providing meaning to what people is doing that that I think was key and, and hence the results. Um, speaking a bit more generally now, then, um, what would you say is the uh, outlook for in the House Council or, or General Council in a post COVID or well, recovering from maybe the worst effects of COVID world? Um, do you think you've uh, seen an increased um, an increased role for uh, in-house counsel, in-house lawyers um, that, that you've seen? Um, or do you think um, the pandemic has had other effects on, on uh, the way in-house lawyers work? Or maybe it's had no effect. What, what do you think? No, I, I do think it has, it, it has an effect. And, um, and I think the, the, the pandemic has pushed us lawyers and, and inside counsel to, to be more practical. I mean, we, we can no longer ask our businesses to sign things on paper and, um, and seals and yeah. So, so I, many of that bureaucracy that we lawyers like, I think is gone by, by, by virtue of the pandemic. So we need to be able to, to be more practical and to eliminate all those requirements that, that we requested the business for, for our own comfort and, 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 for all of us lawyers to sleep better, but but we need to be able to to take risks together with the operation and make sure processes are, are moving in with the speed and flow that the business needs. I mean, taking care of, of of your greater risk, but um, making sure it's legal that moves at the speed of the business and not the other way around. 
Um, what do you think is next for CMI? Obviously, we don't want to give away any trade secrets um, or anything like that. But um, are there any big uh, projects on the pipeline you can um, uh, let us know about? Or uh, what's the general uh, direction that you're going to be moving in? More green bonds or, or what? I think we, we realize now that bonds is definitely something we can do in a finance sourcing that we can tap. So we would be looking into those. I mean, not, nothing in particular at the moment, but, but now we have that realization. So that's definitely in the catalog of, of future alternatives of financing and, and keep on growing. I think CMI is a family group and um, for, for the last 100 years, the family has always been focused on growing and, and, and showing the world what, what Central America can do. So I think we will continue to do that for, for, the, for the next 100 years. Yeah, hopefully. That would be great. Um, look forward um, five or 10 years' time even, maybe. Um, what do you think the general council of the future looks like? Um, how do you think the role might change? What sort of technologies might you be using? Things like that. Yeah, first, like every every other every other profession out there, it will become more competitive because that that concept that when you're looking for a legal counsel, that legal counsel needs to be local and from the same country of of where your operation is located. I think that that's no longer a requirement. If, if, if you have legal consuls that are able to manage local teams and that are able to manage external consul, then, then the world is the market. And if, if you're an inside consul, you're gonna be competing with other lawyers and inside consul in, in all other geographies. So, so a much more competitive environment for inside consuls and uh, in, in managerial skills being more important that specific knowledge of local regulations. Great. Thank you so much for that. Um, Solomon Valle, uh, thank you very much for being part of this episode of um, Corporate Conversations. Um, so that concludes this edition. Um, we'll see you next time for another really interesting discussion. Thanks a lot, guys. Um, see you soon. You've been listening to the Legal 500 Corporate Conversations series.